Well, it's been, it's been nine months of Arctic entries, and we've had 62 storytellers so far, and we have just one more to go for this season. Just one more. No pressure. No pressure. But, uh, you know, as, as, we, as we thought about this topic for building things, we were like, uh, like, the pipeline is such an essential part of Alaska, you can't really separate the two. We need to get a pipeline story. So we start asking around, I'm asking friends and asking other people, and then it comes up that Harry Crawford worked on the pipeline. Like, like Harry Crawford, like the guy who ran for US Congress? They're like, yeah. I'm like, well, I guess we can call him and see if he'll tell a story at Arctic Entries. So we did, and here he is, Harry Crawford. I'm Harry Crawford, and I'm a Democrat. Les Garrett told me to say that so I could get everybody's sympathy. <laughs> this is a story about um, helping to build the, the Trans-Alaska Pipeline and how I became the happiest and richest iron worker in Valdez, Alaska in 1975. I, um, I wanted to come to Alaska so long ago that I can't even remember really what was the, what was my first impetus to come here. I know that Johnny Horton had a hand in it. Uh, John Wayne had a hand in it. <laughs> Jack London had a hand in it. And, um, and Dick Carney had a hand in it. And my, um, my hometown is Shreveport, Louisiana. And that's where Johnny Horton's from. And in 1959, the number one song for 26 weeks was North to Alaska. <laughs> it was well imprinted on my mind. <laughs> and then I, after that, I, I read anything that I could get from Jack London, uh, also, you know, um, Bret Hart, anything on the, the North Country. Um, I, I just just lapped it up. Any time somebody mentioned Alaska, they had my absolute full attention. And Dick Carney, my cousin, was a was a jet pilot, and he was a um, corporate pilot for Arco. And in my senior year of uh, high school, he came home for Christmas, and he said, "So Harry, what are you going to do when you graduate from high school?" I said, "Oh, I guess I'm going to college." I don't know, and he said, you should forget about college and everything else and go to Alaska and go to work on that pipeline. It's going to be the gold rush of the 20th century. It's going to be the biggest dadgum thing that's ever happened in Alaska. And I said, ooh, I like that idea. <laughs> it sounded like just the thing to do. Well, um, I saw in the back of a magazine a little ad said, send $5 for Alaska pipeline jobs. So I sent the $5 and they sent me back a, a packet of information, said, um, write to these people. I wrote to them and said, you know, I'm, I'm Harry Crawford, I want to go to work. And they said, I mean, well, a couple of them actually wrote back and said, um, what do you know how to do? <laughs> uh, ooh, I don't um, Nothing. <laughs> and anyway, um, one of them sent a list of, of skills, you know, 
carpenter, pipe fitter, iron worker, cement finisher, all of those things. So I said, oh. I went to the, the youth employment center and the guy there said, oh, you want to be a construction worker? You need to go look in the yellow pages under labor organizations and get in an apprenticeship program. Well, I became an iron worker. I walked into the iron workers. They, they handed me a tool belt, sent me out, and 30 minutes later, I was working as an iron worker. Didn't know anything, but I, was, <laughs> I made a paycheck. That was in 1971. And by 1975, I was a journeyman iron worker. My partner and I, Bruce Hughes, drove up the highway with a, a 1972 Scout and a 25-foot travel trailer, and we joined several thousand other boomers that were coming up here to work on the pipeline, and we were really hurrying so we, nobody would get ahead of us. <laughs> I got a job out at, in Valdez, and I worked out there for several weeks. Um, building the camp, unloading barges, uh, working on the tank farm. And one evening, I was um, in the, the mess hall with about 600 other iron workers, I mean, not iron workers, construction workers, all, all, all the different crafts. And, you know, it was rowdy, just like it was in here. <laughs> and <laughs> you could barely hear yourself think, and then all of a sudden, my life, took a big fork in the road. Wasn't one that I saw coming, it, uh, but it surely did change things because all of a sudden it got really quiet in there and all the heads turned around and they looked at the door and there were two women standing in that door. <laughs> this is 1975 when they didn't have any uh, women on construction sites. And these two women were there, and it was just like E.F. Hutton had spoken. <laughs> Every eye was on them. And as they eased around the, the side, some, um, some guy growled. And <laughs> Gwen, my wife, who's sitting right over there, jumped. And the whole place roared because every eye was upon her. <laughs> and that's what it was for the next two and a half years. And she, um, she was able to, to withstand all of that attention, still come out through it, uh, being friendly and open, and, and probably one of the best-known people in, in Valdez. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when I was doing this rehearsal, I kind of ended up the story about, about this point, and they said, wait a minute, hold on. How did, how did you get the girl? <laughs> <You know? laughs> how did you get the girl out of all those hundreds of construction workers? So we had a Sunday off, the first Sunday off in, in uh, several weeks, and I... Um, I went and asked Gwen, who I really hadn't talked to very much because, you know, there were always 20 other guys there trying to talk at the same time. And I said, hey, we're going to have Sunday off. Would you like to go out on a date with me? Would you like to go do something? She said, sure. And I went, oh, my God. <laughs> well, unbeknownst to me, several people, like maybe dozens, 
had asked her as well. <laughs> and she was looking for the best offer, you know. <laughs> so I, um, I was one of the ones that didn't make the cut. <laughs> so Saturday morning came before the, the Sunday, and, and uh, I said, so uh, are you all ready to, to go? And she said, oh, but I'm going to Lake Louise with this guy named Don McPhee. Uh, that's only 37 years ago, I still remember. <laughs> so I said, oh, well, it figures. And she said, oh, well, I could come see you after I get back. I said, no, don't bother. <laughs> so that bothered her. <laughs> so Sunday night, I made sure that I was at the, um, in the, the rec hall, and she came in, and I could see that she was looking. So I figured it must be me. <laughs> and it was, so... She came over to talk to me, and we went and had several long, serious, serious talks and a big walk on the beach. And I said, either we are or we aren't. I don't want to be like two ships passing in the night. And she said, well, couldn't you just go away for a couple of years and then come back? I, you know, I said, no, either we are or we aren't. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> So stand up, sweetheart. <laughs> and Bo and Andrew. <laughs> That's how I became the luckiest and richest iron worker in Valdez. Thank you. <laughs>